1: You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.
3: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios,
2: old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets. But the point is, I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway?
3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
2: Preaching patience uh, this whole year. At what point does that patience run out? And, and what do you look like as a leader when your patience does run out? Um,
3: you probably don't want to be around when my patience runs out. I'm serious. <laughs>
4: Welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where I spy with my B.I. several studly wings that the Lakers can now trot out and try. And they did so tonight in Brandon Ingram's return, as we got to see the wing triumvirate of LeBron, B.I., and Coos all start together. And for stretches, they all looked really good tonight. Unfortunately, it ended up amounting in yet another close loss, where the Lakers were once again out-superstarred. Losing to the dysfunctional Timberwolves, 124-120. to Tommy, it's unfortunate we did not record during any of the Lakers' lit wins against the Suns and Nuggets last week. Because now I'm just in a foul mood. And, you know, I was prepared to come into this episode, well, one, I thought we were going to win. So I was prepared to contextualize tonight why the Lakers were much better than their record suggested. But now I'm just kind of pissed. And uh, we can only play the moral victory card for so long until these bad losses become ingrained trends and a legitimately bad record is staring us straight back in the face so with that said tommy what's running out quicker the lakers in transition
0: or lebron's patience Ooh. oh i I still think lakers in transition (laughs) (laughs) that's a fair answer as annoyed as i am and i'm very annoyed and i'm sure we'll get to that oh as annoyed as you are that's it yeah yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) okay um So yeah, the Lakers lost another close one to the Timberwolves on the road. Uh, They have now lost two straight. They lost that one in San Antonio on Saturday with Rondo coming back. Tonight we got B.I. back, so that was a sight for sore eyes. And he had quite a rejuvenated debut here. So I don't know where you want to start. I'll just say this outright. (laughs) I mean, it's frustrating, right? It's frustrating. I guess here, before we start... As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times Lance Stevenson will intentionally troll an opposing team's player, get them to let their frustrations out on him physically, and then proceed to play tattletale to the refs and get the Lakers a trip to the free throw line, a place they unfortunately can't seem to get to so often. So, so yeah, please rate interview us so we get more of those uh, Lance Born Ready troll sessions going on there. Also, if you would like to support us out financially in any small way and ensure we keep this thing trucking on a weekly basis, please consider donating to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Thanks to our latest patrons, Robert Ticks. His last name is spelled T I C S E. Do you know how to pronounce that? Robert Ticks, I think.
0: Wait, T I
4: C S E. S E Type? Robert uh- Robert Ticks. I must say Robert Ticks for now. And Dan Coate. Or Dan Cody. C-O-T-E. Some interesting last names. Is it just Coate? Maybe it's just Cote. I don't right? think it's
0: Cote, dude. I think Cody? Coat or Cote? Cody? I don't know. All right. Yeah. Thanks.
4: <laughs> thanks, Dan Cote. We look Cote very and dumb Cote. right now. I know. We look very dumb right now. Like the Lakers, but thanks to Robert and Dan for becoming patrons the last week or so. We really appreciate it. Um, with that said, okay, the Lakers are now two and five. I really wish we had done a podcast after the Lakers Nuggets win because you guys have yet to experience a lit Lakers legacy pod and we're sorry. It's been a bad weekend for Los Angeles sports and uh, we're going to keep it trucking. But one of these days we hope to have an episode right after a win. Uh, With that said, Tommy, look, I'm I'm, going to lay this out here as a caveat and qualify things. Although I don't think we should be giving these guys or Luke Walton many excuses But having said that, I do think that the suspensions, the timing of the suspensions, the timing of the guys coming in and out of the lineup in terms of Rondo and BI has kind of hurt. And it's going to hurt in the short term because we're reintegrating these guys back into a team that had kind of found a groove and found a flow with Kuzma, Hart, and Lonzo you know, in the starting lineup. Um, I think we saw that starting lineup against the Denver Nuggets, most especially getting Lonzo his confidence back, getting Kuzma his confidence back and getting Kuzma playing off of LeBron. I think that's the duo that's really hit it off together. And so there were obviously some really good things that came out of that suspension, but unfortunately, as we bring Rondo back, as we bring BI back, as Luke Walton tries to shuffle the lineup around and, you know, the controversial Alonzo not closing out the last two games and him having to juggle that. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be rough to start this, this all off. And hopefully we have a quote-unquote scheduled win against the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday. Hopefully that'll get us back on track. But with all that being said, Tommy, we are in the moment right now. And presently we're just pissed off after seeing um, the Lakers kind of give away another game to a lesser opponent. And an opponent that realistically is in turmoil right now. But Jimmy Butler was a superstar. He hit like maybe four threes in the second half. And and four of those threes... Dude, he went
0: five for five from three in the fourth quarter.
4: That's ridiculous. And a lot of those threes were... With heavily a hand in his contested. face. Oh, heavily I mean, contested. I would say,
0: like, at least three of the five were heavily contested.
4: Absolutely. I think he was fouled on some of them, too. So, I mean, it, it was a ridiculous performance by Jimmy Butler. I, I'm just, it's just frustrating to know that the Lakers will have these really exciting stretches and even have leads in the second half. And then because their defense is so shaky, they can just relinquish it like that. And then we're having to fight back constantly at the end of three minutes every time. You know, so with that said, before we get into the sp- specifics of everything, Brandon Ingram came back tonight. Your general impressions on, on this game, if you can get through your uh, frustration and annoyance.
0: Yeah, B.I. looked really, really good. Um, he looked super spry. He looked way more confident and aggressive like he did in preseason. A general theme of our young guys has been, and and not this is, doesn't apply to all of them at all times, but each of them has experienced this at various times. They look super uncomfortable. Um, and I don't know if it's like the whole team getting used to playing with each other. I don't know if it's them getting used to playing at such a high level against like opponents best shot because they're playing LeBron. Um, you know, so I, I don't really know what it is, but B I look like kind of ghosty in the first two games. Um, And then obviously he got super fired up and, you know, people were speculating, maybe this could be a good thing, not just for the team, but for him like individually to kind of like gather his thoughts and and get back into it. And I think tonight you saw that like beyond the stupid, like if you, if he, if it was not for like the ridiculous foul trouble that they put him in and like, Mm -hmm. you can say a lot about that because I feel like he has long arms. So he just like, it looks like he's reaching sometimes, but he's like getting his long arms around people and like knocking the ball away and contesting shots in the paint, and people like assume it's a foul. I feel like, um, yeah. But anyway, so he got some dumb fouls. He would have easily scored over thirty points tonight. He had Did like twenty, played twenty five minutes. Points. Yeah, yeah twenty four points in twenty five minutes. Super efficient. Was getting was getting to his spots. You know, it's like that's when you know. It's like you you see a guy and you feel confident in them. It's like when Kuzma dropped thirty seven that game you could just see him handling the ball and he's like, I'm going to go to that spot and shoot. And he just did it. And like, he was so in command and BI, you know, he's young and it's a little more rare. I I know like experience wise, he's more experienced than Kuzma, but age wise, he's a, a bit younger. And so you don't see that as much, but like, I feel like we've seen more flashes in the preseason. And then now this game, um, than we've seen like, you know, than we saw a lot of last year. So uh, sorry. Can I jump impressed. in there? Yes, yeah, Since... go ahead.
4: Yeah, so since we're in the topic of Brandon Ingram, you know, he started off the game with that really nice pass to JaVale McGee, showed off his playmaking chops here and there. Most of all, he finally got his corner three point shot to go down, right? Which is up until tonight, he was he was an Ofer from three point land when he finally hit three of five tonight from three. And do you have anything to say about the fact that he didn't get going until Luke Walton staggered the lineup and took LeBron out. Are are you just accepting of the fact that, you know, this is kind of just how things have to be right now, especially as Brandon Ingram works his way back? Because a lot of his points tonight were kind of off his own accord, or they were passes from Rondo for an open three. Otherwise, he was driving into the lane, pulling up four jump shots, had that really nice, you know, Stu Lance said it on air, but I think there was five seconds left, and he just calmly, like, took Butler down to the post, did the the spin move into the lay-in as if there were 15 seconds left. So he had some really impressive moves, but a lot of it tonight was uh, sans LeBron. So any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I actually, I I don't know. I wouldn't say, I I, I might sound like an idiot if somebody has the ability to look up how many points he scored up, uh, he scored when LeBron was off the floor, but I don't necessarily buy that he looked that much worse without LeBron. In the first quarter, Kuzma started the game scoring like 11 of our first 13 points yep. or something absurd like that. So everybody was kind of in the mindset of get the ball to Kuzma. And Ingram wasn't looking to be super aggressive. Again, the first game back after sitting the last four, it's early in the season already. You know, you kind of maybe get some run in and then like get some wind under you. And then you, and then you can start to like play basketball. So I think that was purely coincidental. In fact, Ingram played pretty well in the be- in the end of the uh, first, which is when we brought LeBron back in. Right, Lucas trying all these weird like rotations. I feel like, but mm-hmm. um, uh, so I thought he he played well with LeBron. Um, and the three point shooting, extremely encouraging. It's like he sat around for four days and or four games, so like over a week, and he was thinking, how can I make myself valuable on this type of team? And I think he identified it today, you know, drives to the rim and corner threes. And if he can hit those shots, he's going to have a huge season. Um, And I think that's going to be with, you know, with or, you know, when LeBron's on the floor or not, and I think they'll just continue to get better uh, playing together.
4: Yeah. What are your thoughts on the three wing lineup? I really liked it out there. I think Kuzma continues to cement it. And if not for Luke kind of icing him in the second half, uh, bringing him back kind of late where he was cold. I just feel like Kuzma just has such a dynamic chemistry with LeBron, and I predicted he this does. before the season started, that he's just like the perfect player. And also, one thing to say about Kuzma, and we've talked about this offline, but the dude is just explosive now.
0: He's so he's, explosive. He, he's
4: on that Randall diet or whatever offseason workout because he's come back and he's like hammering things down with ferocity. He He's moving, it seems like. 50 miles
0: per hour faster the way he explodes off the floor to the rim and by the way when this dude was dunking last year it always that's why like kuzma we always used to say this dude leads the league and like most exciting miss dunks remember how many it's like he used to miss one insane power yam a game (laughs) you know it felt like there would be stretches where he was just missing a huge power dunk like every other game so now he's like when this dude gets off the floor his head is like at the rim <laughs> he's just like crushing it and it's just like oh he's doing that scissor kick
4: thing with his uh legs too it just everything about kuzma the style is there uh but now like the height is there and just the way he cocks the ball back so far behind his head is is ridiculous so he should probably do the slam dunk contest at this point but anyways kuzma he's killing it in transition His three-point shot, it's still, the percentage is still not there, which is, I'll talk about it later, which gives me hope, because his three-point shot hasn't rounded into form yet percentage-wise, and we haven't yet gotten that Kuzma super, super hot game outside of the Denver game, but just in terms of the way he plays off LeBron, and it seems like he knows where to redirect himself so that LeBron can find him on the court, it's great. So yeah, your thoughts on the three-wing lineup and its potential?
0: So, I love the three wing lineup i mean i was I was talking to you or you guys offline over the last couple of days uh, before we knew what was going to happen here right and I, I remember saying at some point, I would be really interested to see Luke start Lonzo Ingram, Kuzma, LeBron, and McGee um and go with that all wing lineup because Ingram is Ingram, and as you know, I can get kind of down on him sometimes, I think maybe more than uh you and allen but I think that he's so talented and he clearly showed tonight, like he serves a purpose and he is like one of our best defenders right now. Like guys are not getting around him super easily and he's using his length to cause a lot of disruption. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to keep him in the starting lineup, but Kuz, like you said, he's been so good. I mean, Pete put out a short video, um, I think a week or so ago. Anyway, part of it was highlighting Lonzo's chemistry with Kuzma and Lonzo and Kuzma. The reason that they mesh so well is because they both have super high basketball IQs and they're really good at using natural feel and instinct to kind of jive off each other. And one example that Pete used was, you know, in the last game uh, against Denver, not the last game, the game before last against Denver, um, Lonzo had this play where he kind of was in semi transition pushing the ball. And then he started like running to the corner where Kuz was standing. Because that's like, a, it's like a nonverbal cue to your teammate if they're like coming towards you. If you have like a good feel, you're going to back cut. And he back cut just mm-hmm. like Lonzo expected and Lonzo put the pass right on the money and Kuz got a reverse slam. And that's an example with Lonzo, but that's why I think who's jives so well with LeBron. LeBron has an incredibly high basketball IQ, and using just, like, his body and language and his body positioning, he's signaling to Kuzma where to go, and that's why it seems like Kuzma is always freaking open. Like, LeBron is averaging, like, nine assists a game this year, and it feels like half of those are to Kuzma every night, (laughs) you know, so... Well, same with Lonzo, right? Half of Lonzo's assists are going to Kuzma. Exactly. So it's like the chemistry there is just so good. I think you have to go with that lineup. And then I still start Lonzo at the point guard. And, that, you know, I'm actually pretty disappointed with Lonzo the last couple of games, but I still go with him at the point guard just because it, it's a waste of Rondo's skills to have him on the floor with that type of lineup and with mm-hmm. LeBron.
4: Yeah. Um, to go further into Kuzma, like you said, you know, Tonight, especially against the Timberwolves, uh, was one of the first nights where Kuzma actually was using his length against smaller people. He took it into the post a couple times on Josh a Kogi, whichever one it is. Uh, Jeff Teague took good, him down by the low. Way. Did. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty athletic. <laughs> yeah. Um use some nifty spin moves to get into the lane, and then mostly just running in transition, right? And being that perfect off ball complement to Lonzo and LeBron. Just the fact that he doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to pound the rock too much, and he's gotten so much more faster, so much more athletic. I mean, he is yeah, right now I just think the perfect plug and play guy to yeah, to all of these dudes. Ron Rondo, Lonzo, he even had some nice plays with uh, Brandon Ingram as well, just because he's so active on offense, you know? So I I liked what I saw. I liked the flashes that I saw. So yeah, let's talk about Lonzo Ball. Do you have an issue with what Luke has done to string Lonzo's minutes about these last two games? Maybe there was more of an issue in the San Antonio game uh, with Rondo closing. I think tonight he he was maybe a little more justified. And look, this is the second straight game that Rondo's been back. Second straight game that Rondo has closed instead of Lonzo. This is also the second straight game that Lonzo has the worst plus minus on the team. Um, Especially tonight, he just looked, I I told it to you offline, but I was like, Lonzo Ball got his best KCP on tonight, you know? Yeah. Uh, Looked very sort of out of it. Yeah, Yeah, super
0: out of it, super ghosty. I was just, you know, part of the reason I'm so I what? Well, I still am, but part of the reason I'm so hyped on Lonzo is because I kind of view him as the guy who, you know, you always want these guys who are going to be consistent, um, consistently good. Somebody who is consistently good becomes a superstar in the or like an all-star caliber player in the NBA because so few guys are just consistently, consistently good. You know, so with Lonzo, the cool thing about him was it always felt like it doesn't matter. So he had a night tonight, 0 for 4 shooting. And by the way, if you go back and watch all of those shots, you can see something with the release that hasn't been there. You know, like you look at his feet, look at his like angle, look at like one, one, three he took was super deep and he had to use a lot of strength. So you saw him like fling it like he did last year. So mm-hmm. if you just, You know, it's like when he has bad shooting games, you can almost always tie it back to that release. But anyway, the good thing about Lonzo or so I thought was that even when he's having an off shooting night like he did tonight, he does so many other things and causes so much disruption in other ways, whether that's, you know, by pushing the tempo, by getting steals, uh, by making the extra pass, you know, by firing up the threes, even when they're not going in and creating good floor balance, you know, he normally does so many other things that cause disruption that it's so worth it to play him, even if he's scoring like six points a game, <laughs> you know. But yeah. the last couple games, I don't know if like it, something's going on mentally or he's getting frustrated or you know, I don't know what the situation. You know, maybe he's not comfortable with like the way Luke is playing him because I'm gonna be honest, I would be kind of frustrated if I was him too. It, he goes out for like these really long stretches and when he's out there, he's out there like with LeBron and deferring to LeBron and stuff at times. Um, When he's out there with Lance or with Rondo, he's super deferential to them as well. And so I don't know if that's causing like some frustration or what, but he has not been the same guy who does everything, you know, the last few games. Um, And and so that's like, to me, a big, a big uh, concern, at least for now, because, we need him to be very, very, very good if we're going to be a good team. Just like we need Kuzma and Ingram to be very good, we also need Lonzo to be very good. And he, you know, is six foot six, but he is the anchor of our defense in many ways. Um, and so when he's not playing like at max potential on that end and, and causing havoc and leading us and taking you know taking the lead on that end, we're not going to look very good.
4: Yeah, I want to say that Brandon Ingram, having Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and LeBron in the starting lineup may have stunted him a little bit just because Brandon Ingram needs the ball in his hands as well.
0: LeBron and Kuzma have their thing going on. That's another thing. It's like Lonzo's whole... like, Part of the reason, another reason, a huge reason I'm so hyped on him is like, he doesn't need the ball. He's a super low usage guard, and he still makes plays with his low usage. But... He, it's, it hasn't just been like low usage. He's just been like a ghost. And he, we mm-hmm. need him to be the guy to like push the tempo and like sprint up and down the floor and get the ball in early. And he does it sometimes. But I I don't know if it's a matter of these guys just getting used to playing with LeBron, but they need to get better at playing with LeBron. You know, that you'll see it in bursts where... They just don't. Uh, it's almost like LeBron is just any other, four, you know, fourth guy in the team, and they're just kind of running their own thing. Mm. I really like that, and we should continue to make that like a goal. Like LeBron, if LeBron is just a guy, he becomes that like guy who quietly scores twenty six points a night on efficient shooting numbers, and he's just going to play off ball the whole game, you know, and yeah. he conserves energy offensively, and you know. I I, I I like that style, but I feel like Lonzo when he's out there with LeBron because he respects him so much is just when LeBron is you know jogging up the floor on offense, LeBron uh, Lonzo kind of waits for him, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like no, the goal should be sprint down, score four on five if you have to if you can get a good shot, you know. And like don't worry about what LeBron's doing. It's like we're, the whole idea is we're supposed to be a team. Let LeBron catch his breath and then he'll catch up later,
4: right. So I think at the end of the day, there needs to be a little more self-awareness from not only Luke to put Lonzo in the best positions to succeed, but also some self-awareness from Lonzo to not have his entire game rest upon whether he hits his first three-pointer or not. Because sometimes I feel like that's how it's going to go. No, it's
0: 100% (laughs) right. You're 1,000% right.
4: So... It's such a stark contrast from the Denver game where he fueled himself and the rest of the team with his defensive play and activity. You know, the moment he had those plays against Jamal Murray, where he hounded him, stripped him in the backcourt and got the lay-in or the assist, that's when he took his game to another level and everybody just fed off of his energy and he just affected the defensive end. His his energy was contagious, right? But the last two games, whether it's him not getting into the flow of the offense early enough, and I'm not even talking about getting the ball in his hands. I'm just talking about maybe he was waiting around on the in the perimeter waiting for a three-point shot to come his way and once he got it he missed it and then that's the end of Lonzo Ball for the rest of the game you know if, if that's the case then Luke Walton needs to run, to run one of those plays where Lonzo Ball cuts and he's getting a lob play from LeBron or something like that you know just to get him started or jolted or something and then on Lonzo's end he just needs to find a way to just say to himself okay Three-point shot's not working. Maybe I'm not getting any looks this game, but that just means I need to bring it five times more on the defensive end and really get something started here for my teammates or even for myself. You know, so yeah, it's going to need to happen from both parties. I don't know where you put the blame chart. Is it 60-40 Luke right now? I know some fans have it
2: 75-25 Luke. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. I mean, look, Luke...
0: One thing that Luke has done since he became our coach is he's been true to his word with this whole notion of the guys who are performing are going to play. You saw that even tonight, like we haven't really talked about it so far, but Luke basically intended to bench KCP tonight. It's just like Ingram got in foul trouble and it changed the rotation. But KCP was not going to play. If Ingram didn't get in foul trouble or he would have played like four minutes, like KCP played himself out of the early, early season rotation. And so Luke has been true to that. And so like, even if you're like getting inconsistent minutes, if you're Lonzo, you have to be going hundred percent at all times, because Luke is sending a message like Rondo is here. And if you're not performing the way you're supposed to perform, like there's no breaks for you. You better be going all out all the time or else Rondo is going to play. But it's crazy because when we drafted Lonzo Ball, the last issue I would have ever expected him to have would be a confidence issue. This dude has always been the most confident person in the room. And I feel like last year, the shock like, of, of the adjustment to the NBA was so much. And I feel like this year, he's just so concerned about like not making a mistake that he just doesn't do anything great. You know, like he's so worried about messing something up and people talking about it that he's not trying to make big plays.
4: I think it's even less a confidence issue and more a deferential mindset. And when he gets into this deferential mindset, he just goes into his own malaise of not even being present in the moment. You know, so I, I think he has confidence at all times, but he can fall into that trap of just being present you know and that's
0: not what we need on this team no i 100 percent agree in his defense you know like i think it's good and t- he has good intentions For you sure. know like he's like lonzo is like the one of these like amazing teammate guys like lebron that people love playing with because he is not about himself he wants to pass the ball to everybody else and he wants other people to carry the team you know and he wants to be there to help but God, it's just been it's been so frustrating you know it's yeah. just been so frustrating. Okay, so
4: Rajan Rondo, he's been back the last two games. Tonight, he had 13 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 6 of 9, 1 of 2 from 3 again, 4 turnovers, which wasn't great, and he had a mental lapse going under the screen on Tyus Jones for a 3-pointer. Um, there were a couple plays in the fourth quarter where him not being a willing shooter really came back, came back to bite us in the butt, and I felt like he made things so wonky on the offensive end where LeBron's trying to pitch it out to these shooters. And I felt like Rondo's unwillingness to shoot the perimeter shot was contagious to Kuzma, to Josh Hart, whoever else was out there on the perimeter. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Stop passing the ball. Shoot the freaking shot. I know what it you're talking man. And then really, we ended bizarre.
0: up like four guys passed up an open three. And then, yeah, three guys have passed up an open three. And then we ended up with a long contested three by B.I., <laughs> It was like, how did we get this shot in this possession? This was the worst shot.
4: Yeah, okay. And then then the San Antonio game, he came back 12 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 of 4 from 3. It's crazy that Rondo is shooting 50% from 3, but just the fact that he's not a willing 3-point shooter, really, you can see how it affects the game in a negative way, right? Having said that, I felt like maybe outside of the last 3 or 4 minutes uh, of the 4th quarter, He was really helping us stay in the game with a couple of really nice drives. And I think this is one thing that I've been pleasantly surprised with Rondo, his willingness to attack the basket for himself. You know, we always thought that if he didn't find the assist, he would just continue to dribble, dribble. But I think recently he's shown not a willingness to shoot from the outside, but a willingness to at least drive it in and uh, hit some shots, which has been nice. So, but with that said, 31 minutes, 29 minutes, the last two games, I think Rondo falls to a lesser extent than Lance Stevenson. Luke really needs to gauge and weigh these things properly with regards to Lance and Rondo and understand when to pull back and when we've gotten enough from these guys, if that makes sense. Kind of like how we were talking about Lance, like quit while you're ahead. I feel like Luke needs to know when to do that with Rondo as well. Having said that, I don't know. I thought he played pretty well tonight. What what are your thoughts on, on Rondo's return? Do you think this is gonna to continue to become an issue between him and Lonzo? Not to bring it back to Lonzo again and exhaust this point. But I guess overall, do you think yeah, what are your thoughts on uh Lucas Waltonchich's uh rotation
0: right now? Lucas Waltonch. <laughs> um yeah, I don't love it. I, I tend to agree with you. Rondo is I, Rondo is super solid. Like, now that he's on our team, dude, I feel like this guy is severely underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he kind of was a jo- Like, people view him as, like, a joke for some reason. I don't know. I kind of did before, before we sure. got him. And it's like, he's actually really solid. He makes really smart plays. Like, he has a tendency, and I can't put full blame on this because, like, I saw how he played in... Um, I can't put full blame on him for this because we saw how he played with the Pelicans, but he has a tendency sometimes to go too much ISO like, or sorry, not ISO, but too much, like slow it down, pick and roll. Um, mm-hmm. But he also does that because like, there's no movement off the ball and like people aren't engaged. So he's a guy who can just like generate offense for you. You know, like we would go through these stretches last year and like, I don't know. Hopefully this isn't saying something too bad about the coaching, but like we would go through these stretches last year where we could not get a basket for like six minutes and like nobody was moving and there was nothing happening. And Rondo can single-handedly take you out of those situations Mm -hmm. because he's so effective at driving and either getting his own shot or passing it out. And that's like another thing, like as much as I want to see Rondo or Lonzo in to close games, Rondo is kind of showing Lonzo like, Hey, this is the NBA, like, you need to read situations. Like, Lonzo has a really high IQ and natural feel for the game, but I feel like he doesn't have enough experience applying his, like, IQ to, like, what's happening. Because it's, like, so often he's so concerned about passing because he it's like he doesn't have enough confidence in his own sh- scoring ability for whatever reason. Um, So he goes in with, like, a one-track mind. It's, like, Option one, two, three, and four are past the ball. And then, like, maybe he'll shoot early in the game to see if the shot's on, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like Rondo showed tonight when he was coming off of these screens and driving, they were playing him so aggressively to pass the ball. When the layup was there, he was just taking it. Yeah, And like that kind of stuff is super effective for a team like us right now, because we're still kind of trying to find out how we're going to play. So to have somebody like that come in, that's great. But I, again, I'll go back to what you said, which is Luke needs to find a better balance of like realizing when these guys aren't, you know, when they're kind of done and, uh, and just being like, okay, like they I've gotten what I'm going to get out of Rondo I've gotten what I'm going to get out of Lance for this game and Mm -hmm. that's fine. And now let me play some other people. Like, to be honest, Lonzo probably should, Rondo should not have played like 30 minutes tonight. He played very well, but he should not have played 30 minutes. Give some of those minutes to Zoe, see if he can get in a rhythm, give some of even some of those minutes to KCP or fee or somebody else to get them in the the rotation and, and see if they can give you something. But Luke, I think he is kind of like sometimes taking the easy way out when he puts these like Rondo, Lance and LeBron lineups. And it's almost like he feels like he like these vets are just going to wield themselves to a win. Um, and it's just I don't know. Dude, it's kind of frustrating. i gonna be honest. I never thought I would be the one who'd be frustrated <laughs> with, with the coaching staff this early. But here we are.
4: And, you know, he's in, like I said, mentioned at the start of the episode, he's in a tough position having to work these guys back. And it's almost like we have these really versatile lineups to toy with, but Luke needs to really hammer down which groupings work best together and then stick with those. You know, I think we have these vignettes like the Rondo vignette, the killer lineup with LeBron and the young core vignette. The Lance Stevenson goes off on his own <laughs> vignette and he needs to kind of stick with that, you know, because I think Rondo, as good as he was tonight, he did not work with the lineup that they were trying to go with at the end there, where it was like LeBron, B.I., Kuzman, Hart, because he was like, whenever the ball got to him, the play was dead. It ended because he was wide open for a three, you know, and then if he doesn't take that shot, well, it's over from there. And you've seen, especially in the Denver and the Suns game, when the Lakers are at their most zippy and dynamic is when it's LeBron with all the young core. You know, replace Rondo with Zoe. And to end the fourth quarter, I felt like we were trying to get that same zippiness, but it wasn't working because, well, Rondo's there and he's stopping the flow of the offense or of what they're trying to do, you know? So I feel like Luke needs to recognize that a little better. And I don't even blame him as much because you're going to put Lonzo in with three minutes left and see if he can do anything. I don't know. But it's, it's a tough position to be in. I just hope he's a little more aware of which lineups work um, which groupings and pairings work together. You know, Lonzo with Ku should always be together. Hart, you can kind of plug and play everywhere. But at this point, LeBron and Ku should be together. Um, maybe put BI out there with the Rondo lineup, <laughs> Rondo and, and Lance lineup, because you know he's not going to defer to those guys. I just hope Luke kind of uh, figures it out sooner rather than later, because we really need to start winning some games. And I just know that we're at our best. We're at our peak, most electric and dynamic when we've got LeBron, Zo, Hart, Kuzma, Ingram, a combination of those guys all out there causing havoc and its frenetic energy on both sides of the court, you know. With that said, let us before I get into, I have actually some interesting team stats and trends to get to to close the show out, but before we get to that, I guess just let's just wrap this game up and what do you think at the end of the day was the cause for this Lakers loss? The starting unit, as much as we like the count the wings lineup, started off kind of slow until... B.I. was able to kind of take control midway through the first there. And then they got things going again with that bench unit with Lance Stevenson, and they closed the half pretty well. At the end of the day, the Lakers, again, it falls on defense. Tonight, they gave up 20 offensive rebounds to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is way too many. They also gave up 30 free throw attempts to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the The Timberwolves hit like 26 of those, which is insane. 87% from the line. The other thing is the Lakers also turned the ball over 18 times tonight. So a combination of giving up too many offensive rebounds, too many turnovers, sending them to the line too many times, whether that's because of the officiating or whatnot, bad foul calls. um, I think that contributed to the Lakers' loss. Obviously, bad defense all around. Um, If you had to pinpoint a couple of things as to why the Lakers lost tonight, what would you hinge it upon?
0: Definitely defense. And it's a little bit deceptive because they held the Timberwolves to 43%, which is actually really damn good. Because the Timberwolves, as crazy and dysfunctional as, as they've been, they've been putting up a ton of points this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hold them a team like that to 43% shooting from the field is like, in my opinion, pretty damn good. But you have to, defense is like finishing off the play too. You know, we get, we like just make really stupid mistakes. Um Fouling Anthony Tolliver, like 30 feet away from the basket while he has, he's dribbling the ball, you know, like, or moving off the ball. It's just like dumb stuff like that. And it feels like we're not using our physicality in our bodies. We're using our arms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so defense was like the big thing that, was frustrating and, and stood out to me. Um, I, I don't really have anything else, dude. I just keep falling on that. You know, that's, that's been like the, the most annoying part of the season. It's just like being unable to put together a solid defensive stand for more than five minutes at a time. You know, it's like we yeah. get in these situations where we all of a sudden get super far down in the last few minutes. And then it's like, we go on a three minute defensive stand where the other team can't score a basket to save a, their life. You know,
4: it's like on two K when you adjust the sliders and you're like, all right, time to go crazy. Let's go maniac on that.
0: <laughs> exactly, dude. And it's like, Oh, all of a sudden nobody can score on you. Oh, all of a sudden you're using your body and using your length to cause disruption. Oh, all of a sudden, like people are rotating and getting steals and mucking up passing lines. Like, but why does it take you that long to get there? It's like 95% of the game. They're just like, it's like they're playing practice, like pick up ball. It's so frustrating to watch.
4: Yeah, I think most the rest of the game they're just continuing to be super undisciplined on the perimeter once a guy gets past a dude once a guy gets beat off the dribble it's almost over for the Lakers unless JaVale McGee's there to blow up a pick
0: and roll or something you know what I mean Like there's some plays where it feels like we're forcing guys to the basket and nobody's there nobody helps it's so (laughs) weird it's like what are you doing how could it be this hard to we have guys that theoretically should be good together like no team starts five out of five best defenders of all time. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be some weak spots here and there at this stage in his career, LeBron is probably average or, you know, maybe slightly below average when he's not trying that hard, you know? So, but BI should be really damn good. Kuzma got crazy athletic. Lonzo was really great last year and has awesome length and quickness. Josh Hart is, you know, a solid defender. Josh Hart, when he's standing there, dude, it's like when he's guarding Jimmy Butler, he can play with strength. Oh, my yeah. God. This dude is like walking in mud when a point guard comes out, <laughs> like a real point guard with speed. Sometimes, I think I said this earlier offline, but I, I said like it sometimes looks like Josh Hart is, get, is injured. You know, it's like he's <laughs> trying to play defense, and it's like he literally didn't move. And all of a sudden, the guy's at the rim shooting a layup, and I'm like, oh, shit. I like say out loud, like, oh, shit, Josh Hart got hurt. (laughs) And then he just keeps playing normally after that. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing, dude? It's like, guys go at him so easily. I I can't tell you how many times did it seem like guys were just going right to the rim against Josh Hart. And it's like JaVale had to do like a last-second suicide superman block to try to stop it um yeah man he is like such a bad on ball (laughs) defender uh and and these guys need to like all step up like they all have the tools josh hart is so smart and sturdy and he should have no and he's like quick laterally relatively it seems like at least when he wants to be so it's just mental lapses that these guys are having. I don't know. Part of me wants to blame the coaching staff. I don't know.
4: Maybe. And, you know, Josh Hart is also one of the worst offenders on the Lakers of dipping into the paint and just leaving his perimeter shooter out
0: <laughs> for an like, open shot. Like, what it's are we bad. doing with that, dude? I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. How, it seems like, doesn't it seem like on those plays we have no plan? Why are we having, like, three guys in the paint guarding Taj Gibson? You know, like, it, just, it just makes no sense.
4: You know, part of it, I think, is systematically ingrained. Like I said before, it's become intuitive to help the smaller dude. But also, I think they're so eager to want to get out into transition. They want to s- strip the ball from the bigger man. But it's just at this point, you have to know when to pick your spots, you know. And we're getting killed from three-point land. But
0: I feel like it must, like, a coach must have been telling them. I hope so. Swarm the paint. You know, because it seems like that's what we're doing. And that's why we're getting so many fouls. It's like somebody gets into the paint and all of a sudden we have like five guys jamming into him trying to get the steal, you know, and it's like, and they're fouling the crap out of everybody. But why are we doing that? It's like, it's such a suicide play because if the ball even bounces out a little bit. Somebody's going to catch it and pass it to somebody else for a wide-open three. Yeah, chickens with their heads cut off. They're scrambling. They're after scrambling. That. I mean, Stu says it all the time. It's like the Lakers are constantly playing and scrambling defense. It never
2: feels like they're just sturdy and in position and ready to take you on. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today.
4: Yes. So the Lakers in general, they need to learn how to pick their spots better. You know, I, I get the 48 minutes of hell thing. But right now they just need to work on fundamentals. And it's funny because I feel like we're wasting Lance Stevenson and Rondo because these were supposed to be two of our worst defenders. And I don't even think they've been that bad, you know. But we just don't have a system where
0: everybody's in sync together. Dude, to Lance, the point has where has been e- like one of our best defenders. <laughs> He's sturdy, dude. He's like stopping he drives. Sometimes, like, I get it. Sometimes he makes suicide plays. He also gets, like, three steals a game. He gets rebounds. Nobody else on our team wants to, like, muck it up in the paint. And mm-hmm. Lance is, like, six four, and he goes in there like a power forward to grab these rebounds. Yeah. Like, these things all have value, but it's like these young guys who spent all summer working out are, like, going in so soft right now.
4: Yeah, I really like the way Lance just cut offs drives from dudes like Derek Rose. I mean, Derek Rose. (laughs) Maybe that's a bad example, but Derek Rose still looks pretty good. By the way, he still has some of his speed and athleticism. He looks
0: great. I was very impressed.
4: Yeah, but, you know, he's cut off James Harden before. He picks up these fast guards and is able to actually stop them because, one, he moves his feet, and also he just has, like, a super sturdy body, you know? And you mentioned that it seems like Lakers are in continual scramble mode, and I feel like, sadly, that's indicative of also as good as JaVale McGee has been and as good as we've been with him on the court versus off, he's just also that dips and valleys sort of player where, he has these amazing highlight plays, but when it comes to maybe just simple fundamental plays he's lacking, I wish you could almost put Jonathan Williams and JaVale McGee and fuse them into the same player. Because Williams, at least, I think, does a-, a lot of the smaller things really well, has a good understanding of moving his feet laterally when people drive and using verticality, where JaVale McGee is just more like, I'm going to jump every single time, no matter how much it compromises <laughs> the defense. And Williams is like...
0: He is a really actually a really smart player. Um, when you watch him play, you can just tell like this dude is seeing things that a lot of our other guys are not seeing defensively. I think he's a really intelligent player defensively, but I completely agree with you. It's like when Jonathan, the reason Jonathan Williams has not been, I mean, he's a fine stopgap, I guess temporarily, but the reason he hasn't been outstanding and we're still getting punked in the paint is because he's physically outmatched by most people we go against. You know, but it's not for a lack of effort and lack of intelligence and lack of being in the right position. Like, often he's in the perfect position. It's like he defended the play perfectly, but the dude is seven feet one, seven foot one, and is four Mm inches taller than him, and is just laying the ball over his head. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's only so much he can do, but with JaVale, it's like he gets these absurd, like, sports center blocks like he has like four blocks a game or something in like 20 minutes played it's absurd his block pace but he just goes through these like I said these lapses there was like more than one play where it felt like guys were being funneled to the paint and you just see JaVale like standing at the free throw line guarding Gorgie (laughs) (laughs) deng just like staring from like the free throw line and it's like he didn't even move to try to go like were you supposed to rotate why were they funneling him to you if that wasn't your job like why why are you standing at the free throw line guarding gorgie dude and javale's like who McMe? yeah exactly dude i'm like what it makes no sense so i don't know i don't know what they're doing i I, somebody has to answer some questions i mean I i didn't watch any of the post game stuff tonight but like do we have a plan what, what, like somebody needs to say are they just not executing the plan or have you not instituted like defensive philosophies yet because why does it seem like everybody's playing a different kind of defense out there
4: Yeah I, I at the end of the day they have to shore things up because we were able to somehow make it work last year and obviously we missed Julius Randall a lot he was a big reason for our defensive efficiency jump and mucking things up down low and still being as athletic as ever but they need to find a happy meeting of medium of all this frenetic pace stuff and trying to leak out get turnovers and whatnot and just fundamental defensive basketball where we're more disciplined and show some technique down there we need again. I, I go back to picking and choosing our spots because look, where's our, our sliders are so far right in terms of we're leading the league in pace. We have so many points. Field goal percentage is great, but then on the other end, the defensive end, we're so lacking. And I have to think they are in concert with it, with one another. You know, so even if we move the slider down a little bit more, just so we can get better defensively, I don't know what correlation that has on one another, but I, I have to think it does. Like, like you mentioned, like why are they dipping down into the paint, trying to you know help on these guys? And I, I really think it's because they want to get the turnover. They want to get the ball, you know? But it's coming in consequence to just leaving guys open in the perimeter and then when you're scrambling to get back to that guy, man, that guy just pump fakes and then passes it back into the paint and uh, open layup. It's like very simple plays confuse the Lakers because it seems like they're always in scramble mode. Simple handoffs, simple screens, simple give and goes. The Lakers are like, whoa, whoa, what is this? You know, everything looks like a Spurs play all of a sudden. That's what I'm saying. Um, Like
0: every team in the NBA plays pick and roll like 90% of the game. And every single time we're in the pick and roll, it looks like we have no idea what we're doing. You know, it's like so odd. And these other teams come against us. Big on the perimeter, one pick, boom, Derek Rose is in the paint shooting a layup. You know, yeah. it's like so insane. I don't know what the heck we're we're <laughs> doing.
4: Uh all right, so to end this show, I'm gonna end with some team stats and trends. Some good, some bad. You probably already know the summaries of these, but to delve deeper into them, um the last thing I'll say about this loss is look, Jimmy Butler hit five threes at the end there, and five highly contested threes. Uh, We couldn't close down the stretch again. We had the lead with five... You know, we were up by five after a Lance Stevenson three-pointer. And after that, offense got stagnant a bit. Defense was bad. We kept fouling people and everything was uh, snowballed from there. It it sucks because we're, we're losing all these close games and we have LeBron James and we're not winning them. You know, that was our issue last year. Lots of close games, no finisher. We don't really have that excuse this year outside of reintegrating guys and whatnot. And LeBron... Even though he's still not even close to 100%, he started to turn the notch up a little bit and it's still not working. So you have to wonder what's going on in his head about, okay, how much should I really exert sooner rather than later here? And hopefully the guys give him more reason to just sit back and have more of those fun moments like we had against Denver than the last two games, you know, where where LeBron feels like he has to do more heavy lifting than not. Um, Okay, with that said, so the Lakers right now, some good trends. The Lakers are 7th in offensive rating. The Lakers also have 8 players who are averaging double figures, which is pretty impressive, actually. Uh, Those 8 players are LeBron, Kuzma, B.I., JaVale, Hart, Rondo, Lance, and Lonzo. The Lakers are also 5th in pace. The teams that are ahead of them are kind of weird. Um, Atlanta, Sacramento, Washington, and New Orleans round out 1-4 through in terms of pace. Um, But the Lakers are 5th in pace, so they're still lightning speed. The Lakers are number one in the league with field goals made, averaging around 48 makes a game. And they are third in the league in points scored with 122. So with regards to shooting, Lakers are fourth in the league in field goal percentage at 49%, which is very impressive. And with regards to sharing the ball, the Lakers are fourth in the league with 27 a game, trailing the Warriors, the Pelicans, and the Sixers. So all of those things are very encouraging from an offensive standpoint. You know, they're sharing the ball, they're getting out, Doing exactly what they had intended to do to start the season, pushing the pace. They're shooting really well in the paint. And even as ungodly as their three point percentage has been to start the season, they're still shooting 49%. Right. And a lot of that is because of the transition points and the paint points. Um, also, with regards to three-point shooting, the encouraging trend is, hey, we're finally back to middle of the pack here. Uh, the Lakers kind of ascended to the mean with regards to the three-point shooting. So they started the season off 15 for 62 with those two god-awful games from three. Since then, they've been 59 of 162. So that's 36.4%. And that 36.4% would actually place them at 15th in the league if you ranked it. So that's exactly middle of the pack. And overall, they're shooting 33% from three, including the 15 for 62 that they started off with. So they're at number 24, and I expect them to continue to improve in that department. And if at the end of the day, we're in the 18 to 20 range, I think that's a really good place to be with how fast we're playing. So those are encouraging things. Some discouraging things, and obviously this falls on the defensive end. They are 23rd in defensive rating, 22nd in defensive efficiency. They are 23rd in opponent's three-point field goal percentage. So teams are shooting 37% from three on the Lakers. That is not good. They are also 28th in opponent free-throw attempts. So this is like, I don't blame the Lakers too much for this. I also think this is a ref thing, an officiating thing. Um, We are sending opposing teams to the line 27.4 times a game. And the Timberwolves got to the line 30 a game tonight. That is really bad. We need to stop fouling, and we need the refs to get on our side and stop calling this this BS crap, you know? Dude, Um, the refs,
0: look, I'm not going to blame, and I hate complaining about the refs because the refs are the refs. You know, like, everybody goes through these types of games. But it just feels like 90% of our games have been like this. (laughs) You know, it's... We are going into the paint we play at such a frenetic pace and we play so aggressively with so many guys who are like diving into the paint to hit shots and we're consistently being outshot from the free throw line like we're not allowed to play with any physicality on defense i know there's been this whole like you're supposed to allow people freedom of movement but it seems like they're only really calling it on one side you know it's just like super odd and At some point, too, you point the finger at the players and you say, like, this is how they're calling it. Are you going to do something about it? Or are you just going to keep playing that way?
4: Yeah, so in comparison, the Lakers are 20th in the league in terms of free throw attempts, averaging 21.7. So that's about six free throws less than their opposing team. And tonight, they only had 15 free throw attempts. And considering that the Lakers are not a three-point shooting team and all they like to do is drive and score in the paint, It doesn't make sense that we have such a deficit in that department. We have LeBron freaking James. And so this is crazy. Josh Hart has only gone to the line. I have this stat right now. Josh Hart has only gotten 15 free throw attempts all year. Six of those attempts, by the way, all happened in Denver. So you take that game out and Hart has only shot a total of 11 free throws. That has to go up. That's crazy. So, I mean, on the one end, I'm frustrated about it. But I also think that's something to be encouraged about, that Josh Hart has still not gotten enough cachet in the league from officials to get to the line as often, but I think that'll slowly start to come around, you know? Especially with Luke Walton's backing, but that that really needs to change because Josh Hart drives it into the lane with reckless abandon so many times and he almost seeks out the context, so this dude needs to get to the free throw line way more than he has been. The refs are just letting
0: our, our small guys get bullied in the paint, dude. Like, it felt yeah. like Towns was throwing people everywhere in the paint. And the refs are just not calling it, dude. Like, okay, 20 offensive rebounds is inexcusable. But some of those were the Timberwolves tossing guys aside and and there's just no calls. And it's like you can't play small and also not be allowed to, you know, play physical or let the big guys just throw you around like that.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with you. So yeah, to summarize on defense, we're 23rd in defensive rating, 23rd in three-point field goal percentage, pretty much the three-point shooting and the free-throw attempts and the fouling. That's what we need to shore up. Offensive rebounds, we are 25th. We are giving up 12.6 offensive rebounds a game. Maybe that goes part and parcel with the uh, free-throw attempts and not getting calls on our, our end, but we really need to do a better job of shoring up offensive rebounds or not giving offensive rebounds to the opposing team because JaVale McGee can have one good defensive stance, but the problem is if the other team gets the offensive rebound, we are in scramble mode already with chickens with their heads cut off and they're going to have an easy shot after that if we're not able to secure the rebound. So So the good news on defense is we are 8th in the league in forcing turnovers. We are forcing about 16 turnovers a game from opposing teams. That's a three-way tie at 8th place with Dallas and the Pacers. So that's a good sign. So at the end of the day, looking at all of this, you know, the Lakers' offensive dominance in the paint, in transition, um, assist-wise, having so many guys who are scoring the ball well and shooting the ball well. You know, for me, I think the three-point shooting overall is encouraging. If we can just get to middle of the pack, I think we'll be in good shape because even just looking at, look, Kuzma's still shooting sub-30% from three at 28.9% a game. That's going to rise. B.I. hit his first three threes tonight and is now shooting 30%, three from 10 from the field. That's going to rise. LeBron James, as hot as he's been recently with his jump shot a little bit the last few games, he's still only shooting 24% from three. That's going to rise, and we're going to have one of those LeBron- games where he knocks down six threes randomly and maybe goes on a little three-point shooting hot streak um kcp if he ever gets minutes <laughs> again is only shooting 25 percent. that will hopefully rise hopefully josh hart's gonna get more free throw attempts Along those same lines, Brandon Ingram is back and if there's one thing that Brandon Ingram brings to slowing the pace down and in the half court, it's him being able to draw fouls and give that angle to the Lakers that they didn't previously have just because he's so lanky he seems to get the foul calls. Just as likely as he is to get fouls called on him, he's also easily as likely to get to get fouls called in his favor. Also, Svi Kailu, if he ever gets more playing time again, he still hasn't hit a single three at all. So all of these points are reasons why I'm a little more encouraged and have a little more perspective on things in spite of the fact that we're two for five. So yeah, anything surprise you or does it just kind of fall in line with what you've been thinking? And uh, yeah, are are you encouraged? Like putting in, like if we're able to take a step back and uh, have some perspective on tonight's very frustrating and annoying loss, are you still able to, you know, caveat and qualify things for the Lakers? Because honestly, before the Spurs game this Saturday, I was really excited about this team. I was really happy, even after the Spurs loss. I was just like, this group is a really fun group, and we've seen flashes of how destructive we can be when we're firing on all cylinders, you know? But right now, the defensive end and just the lapses are happening far too frequently to allow us to really get into that groove and comfort zone of just clicking, Uh, the way that we did in Denver, the way that we did against the Suns. So, yeah, I guess what are your closing thoughts on the Lakers and just moving forward here?
0: So the defensive stats don't surprise me at all. It falls in line with what we're seeing out there. Um, We have not been a good team defensively. I mean, we haven't been one of like, I'm actually surprised. The only thing that does surprise me is I'm surprised we're not, like, a bottom five team in the NBA. 23rd is better than I would expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but offensively, and this is like the theme so far, like I mentioned earlier, the whole season, it's it's been like offensively, they're exceeding all my expectations at this point. Um, like I thought eventually we would get here. Like this was the goal, um, but we're here now and it's amazing. And I'm just trying to think like, sometimes I think like, okay, our offense can get stagnant and it feels like in the half court, the guys don't really have a good sense of like, What they're trying to run out there, Um, they're not really running things with a purpose. It's like when you watch the Warriors play, when they're and I'm not saying that we're the Warriors, but I'm just saying if that's like the model we're trying to go off of, we, you know, when you when they have the ball, all five players on the court at all times are in some sort of a pack attacking mindset. You know, like they all are trying. They're moving with like precision and they're moving with a purpose. Guys, don't just like. You know, float around the floor like sometimes we have guys who are just like doing pirouettes because they're supposed to go set a screen and they just spin off and like don't actually. You know, sometimes it's effective to slip, but you know, not every time. Set a screen once in a while, you <laughs> know. So it's. Uh, but anyway, despite all that, the offense has been surprisingly good, and uh, I guess that's like a, a positive to take out of it. But. The defense, it's not just that it's been bad and it has not been solely because of a lack of ability at the back of five spot. A lot of it has been, it feels like it's been scheme. And I don't want to, you know, allege or seem like I think I know how to do it better because I personally don't. I'm just saying that it feels like there should be somebody out there who could figure out a way to make this work um, because we haven't really been able to make it work at all this year.
4: Yeah, one other thing I'd like to add is that MUD, Michael Beasley notwithstanding, has been really solid this year. You know, these are guys that were maligned by the media, by NBA hipster Twitter, by our own fans. And they are producing out there, and they are at the very least solid. And I feel like we're wasting that solidness. (laughs) I feel like the moment we figure things out, these guys are going to melt and fade away, you know, and revert back to, you know, Lance Stevenson's going to suck again. Rondo's going to be the worst version of himself, et cetera, et cetera. So I just hope we can figure things out because, look, at the very least, the veteran guys that we signed, they're doing exactly what we paid them to do. And they're doing it pretty much at the highest level we could have ever expected. You know, it's just about everything else clicking and rounding into form here. So with that said... That's our show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully soon we can have a episode where the Lakers have won a a game or two so that we can be a little more excited and lit and less frustrated and annoyed. Um, But with that said, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes uh, because the more you rate and review us, Tommy, the first thing that pops into your head,
0: the more Kyle Kuzma head rim dunks, we'll see.
4: There you go. The more Kyle Kuzma head rim dunks we'll see. Uh with that said, we will catch you guys next time. The Lakers play the Mavs on Wednesday. If we freaking lose to Luka Doncic,
0: we might lose this game. <laughs> like if we don't if we don't figure out our crap defensively, we could easily like, at least we're playing at home. So we have that going for us. But like we do not play well against teams that execute in any way. Like we beat Denver um, and that was great, but Every team so far that's exhibited any ability to execute any sort of offense just lights us up. And Rick Carlisle, even when the Mavericks suck, always destroys us because he like picks us apart. And as Mm -hmm. untalented as the Mavs can be at times, although I think they do have some talent this year, they're incredibly well coached and they're going to get the best out of their players in this game. So it's, Deandre's going to eat us up. Oh, my God, dude. I'm actually kind of nervous. <laughs> uh,
4: Lucas Waltoncic better bring his A game because Luka Doncic will. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it. We'll catch you guys next time. Tommy, I'll later. catch you later. Later. Peace.